looking at Galatians chapter 4 today, Galatians chapter 4. We do have meeting today at 3.30 with the deacons and then at 4 with the staff and deacons. And uh, so looking forward to that. Galatians chapter 4, I heard about a guy that went forward. He went to a, a meeting, there was a televangelist there and he went forward and he said, um, I'd like prayer for my hearing. And the televangelist took him by the head and he shook his head smacked him on the side of the ears a few times, smote him on the front of the head a couple of times, and then said, now tell us about your hearing. Hearing, He said, it's Tuesday at the courthouse, 10 o'clock. <laughs> Galatians chapter four. And Levi changed the name to Foyer. And he's from Kansas. You know, the great thing about the farmers out there is at some point in time, they're all outstanding in their field. So, so maybe that's, we're going to have to take that foyer and call it a foyer. I've never heard of that, but uh, uh, there is a diaper drive in the foyer. Not depends, just diapers. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a reality. I, I have, my father and I still had a case of depends in my garage. And I thought, what do I do with it? And then I thought, maybe I should keep it, you know, for when I have a rainy day, you know. Uh, but, you know, that's part of Aging is not for sissies. Getting old is not for sissies, we know. All right, we're looking at Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. And Paul's writing, of course, you know this, you've learned this. He's writing to rebuke the false teaching that you needed to be circumcised in order to be saved. Some today teach you have to be baptized to be saved. Baptism is a sign of salvation. It's a type and it's wonderful, and we encourage that, but it never saves anyone. Salvation is by faith plus nothing, minus nothing. And he's speaking to these churches of Galatia. And today, in this text, beginning in verse 21, he is using an Old Testament story to illustrate a New Testament truth. This is blowing my pages and my one hair. My one hair that's 50 foot long that I wrap around, you know. So he's using an Old Testament story to illustrate a New Testament teaching. So he's using typology. 1 Corinthians 10 says that he uses the Old Testament as examples. Now this story is a literal historical fact. It took place. Kind of a tragic story when you read it and study it, but it illustrates the truth. In verse 21, he talks about the fact that the Galatians were under the law. In verse 2, he said, you are under the tutors. In verse 3, you are under the elements. And then he talks about them hearing the law. He said, you don't hear the law. You don't know what it says. Because long before Moses even gave the law in the Pentateuch, and in, in, in he gave it in Exodus 20, but way back in Genesis, the first book of the Pentateuch, Abraham was saved long before circumcision even existed. He was saved. And, you know, so we know circumcision didn't save him. And he says, you don't even understand the law. Now, the word law, we'll read in just a moment, but the word law can refer to several things. It can refer to the Pentateuch. It can refer to Exodus 20 through Deuteronomy, the actual uh, listing of laws. It can refer to ceremonial laws. They had feasts and, 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 and festivals, and, and they had laws governing those. Civil law, which is your... Uh, traffic today would be our, our red lights and our stop signs and so forth. The other day I was behind someone at a yield sign. They thought yield meant stop. And I waited and I waited, I waited. I said, should I honk the horn? No, that wouldn't be nice. The person was texting. 
And uh, so I just waited patiently. Not really. I was impatient, but I didn't display it. You know what I mean? Like, come on, you idiot. But they didn't hear me. But, you know, the civil laws. And then there's the, the judicial laws and the moral law. Did you know everyone's born with a conscience? The grace of God hath appeared to all men. John says everyone's born with an inner light. What is that? It's our conscience which tells us right from wrong. You know, you have a moral law within you. Even children, before they're saved, they know right from wrong. And I, I told you the story about Dennis Rasmussen, who's on Discovery, and he's a big monkey guy, and he was telling me how the monkey rips off the head of another monkey and eats the brains and throws the skulls down, and I'm like, what happens? The, other, the mother gets upset for a moment, then it's over. And I thought that wouldn't happen in, in society where there's moral law, but that's the difference. We have a conscience. We have a moral law within us. And so the moral law, and we see all these. So when we say law, we have to look at the context. And context always tells you what, what the law is talking about. Context is the difference maker in everything you study. Now let's stand and read verse 21 and the first part of verse 22. It says here, Tell me ye that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? I mean, we said earlier, obviously the law said Abraham was justified. You that want to be under the law, for it is written. Abraham had two sons, the one a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was born after promise. Let's pray. God bless us. As we take a look in your book for a walk in this world that will understand what you're saying to us from Galatians chapter 4. Be with us now. Speak through me. Hide me behind the cross. Help hearts to be open to the Holy Spirit and the message for each person in a unique and different way. Bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Here, he says Abraham had two sons. Now, he had six more with Keturah, another wife. But the two in view here, the two in mind, the two sons are Isaac and Ishmael. Remember, Ishmael was from Hagar, the handmaid that Sarah said, go sleep with my maid and have a son since I can't give you one. He shouldn't have listened to her, but he went and had a baby with, with uh, Hagar and the baby's name was Ishmael. Now in this text, you say it says Agar, the H is not there. That happens when you translate from Greek to English. It's different than translating from Hebrew to English. So in the Old Testament, it's Hagar. Here the H is not present, it's Agar, same person. So we have two sons here, Ishmael and Isaac. And one was born of a bondwoman, Ishmael. The other of a free woman in verse 22. In verse 23, one was born after the flesh, the other after the spirit. Verse 24, one was a type of the old law, the old covenant. Of course, with Isaac, grace is in view, grace is in mind. Verse 25, one, was, one represents Mount Sinai. Verse 26, the other, Isaac, Jerusalem. Then we find one's an Egyptian, according to uh, chapter 16, we'll look at in a few moments of, of Genesis. And verse 28, the other's an Israelite. One's after the flesh, the other's after the spirit. One was cast out, and the other one, of course, was adopted, brought into the fold. So we see these two types here, completely different. And he's going to use this to illustrate the importance to the Galatians to get rid of the Judaizers and their false teaching. Just like Abraham had to get rid of his own son Ishmael, send him away. What a tragic story. We'll talk about that more in a moment. But notice verse 23. It says here, the bondwoman was, the one was born of the bondwoman after the flesh. 
The word flesh is translated in Romans chapter 8, verse 7, carnal. Carnal. You know, the Bible talks about the, 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 the natural man, the lost man, and then it talks about the Christian, the spiritual man, spirit-led, and the carnal Christian. Remember, the Corinthians had carnality in their church. The Bible teaches that our flesh is carnal. It's bad. I, I always tell people, when you want to respond, the first instinct is to respond the way your flesh wants you to respond. You know, you're driving, and, and uh, I, I told you how years ago, someone's following me, give me the finger because I wasn't going fast enough. What did I want to do? Slam on my brakes, break his finger off. But you have to pause and say, that's the flesh, because our carnal side is bad. Paul said nothing was good in his flesh. So if Paul's flesh wasn't good, yours isn't either. And so here we have the one is, is carnal and one is spiritual. The free woman, it says here in verse 23, one was born after the free, the one born after the promise, a free woman was born after the promise, it says in verse 23. That's, of course, Isaac. The word promise is a great word. It means message. It's related to our word angelos, our word angel. Then we look at verse 24, and notice what he says here, which things are an allegory. Now, we had a whole series on Wednesdays. Went through all the parables in the Bible in, in, in order, chronological order. A parable is not a true story, but it illustrates the truth. An allegory most often is a true story. So he's given us an allegory. A picture is worth a thousand words, someone once said. That's what an allegory is. He's going to show us this Old Testament story, and he's going to use it as an allegory to teach a New Testament truth. So he says we have an allegory here. And we're going to go in a moment to Genesis chapter 16. And he says here there's two covenants, and you know that could mean two testaments. And he says here that which engendereth to bondage. And that word engendereth is our word genes. It's translated begat. And when Elizabeth gave birth to bear a child. And so here Hagar gave birth to Ishmael. And this is a birth of the flesh. It wasn't God's desire for him to sleep with someone else in God's original plan. It was one man for one woman. But these patriarchs seem to ignore uh, what was uh, clearly given to them in their moral conscience and moral law and later given in writing. But we find here that Hagar gave birth to Ishmael. Here's a story. In fact, we're going to go to Genesis 16 in a moment, uh, if you want to turn there. The story of Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Hagar and, and a story of promise. And we're going to go first to Genesis chapter 16. And uh, one writer reminds us that Ishmael was Abraham's firstborn, special to Abraham. We know that. But he also goes on, that writer, to say we all need a second birth. Ishmael needed to be born again. Remember what Nicodemus said, Nicodemus, excuse me, what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Nicodemus came and Jesus said, don't be surprised. Marvel not, Nicodemus. You, ye must be born again. If you're here today and you've never been born again, you need to trust Jesus Christ for that spiritual birth. We've all been born of water from the mother's womb, but we need to be born again of the Spirit of God. And Ishmael didn't have that. He was uh, uh, starting along a journey of, of evil. But Isaac's a type in the Bible. Remember, Isaac's birth was foretold like Jesus. Isaac's birth was supernatural like Jesus. Mary scoffed, and Mary, I mean Sarah, scoffed in laughter after being told she'd have a child. 
Isaac's born, birth was supernatural. He was offered as a sacrifice like Jesus. Uh, Abraham considered him dead for three days as he journeyed. At, at, for three days, he thought he was going to lose his son. And of course, we know that Isaac's birth points to a new nature, the spirit of God, where Ishmael's is a type of the old nature, the flesh. In chapter 16 of Genesis, we find uh, here the natural man's efforts. Abraham and Hagar had a child, Ishmael. And verse 12 says, he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, Genesis 16. Isn't that prophetic? I mean, it hasn't then been fulfilled Remember, his mother was an Egyptian. Egypt today is 96% Muslim. You ever notice the Muslims are against Muslims? They hate the Westerners. They hate America. They hate each other. The Shiites kill the Sunnis. This is fulfilled today. Ishmael's descendants today just hate each other. And his hand should be against every man. And his... his Descendants, of course, of Ishmael, Gideon would have to pursue them and defeat them. And, and they, here in our text, we find that Ishmael's going to make fun of little Isaac when he's two or three years old. Ishmael's about 17. He's going to mock him. And still today, Jews are mocked by the descendants of Ishmael. And we know that <clears throat> the Bible says in Galatians 5, 17, we're going to go to Genesis 21 now. The flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to another. So what do we learn that's practical for us? The flesh and the spirit, they're enemies. You have in you two natures, the old and the new, the flesh and the spirit, the carnal and the spiritual within you. And, they, and you can't give your flesh any room, the Bible says. You have to constantly resist your flesh. But in Genesis chapter 21, verse 9, here is Ishmael, and he, he, his, his inheritance is going to be shattered. And he's going to get everything. He's the firstborn, and that was the custom of the day. Eventually it became law. The firstborn gets a double inheritance. All of a sudden, Isaac comes along from Abraham's wife, and that's going to certainly be bad for him. And when he's about 17 and Isaac's about three, he's just been weaned. It says here that, that uh, Ishmael mocked him. He mocked him. The same word is used in the Bible where Lot's sons mocked Lot who tried to tell them something right from wrong because he had such a bad testimony. It's used where Potiphar's wife said, Joseph has mocked me. And the same word is translated laughed where Sarah laughed. She laughed in a, with a scornful laugh because she was told she was going to have a child. She laughed. Same word, that's how it's translated, laughed with Abraham and Sarah, laughing about the pregnancy God foretold. But in verse 10 of Genesis 21, Abraham sent Hagar and Ishmael away. It, to me, that's such a sad story. In, in chapter 21, verse 11, you know, Ishmael is sent away and Abraham grieved, it said. He grieved. In 17, 18, we know he loved him because when God pronounced the birth of, uh, upcoming birth of Isaac, Abraham said, but what about Ishmael? He loved Ishmael. And Abraham has to say to Ishmael and Hagar, you need to leave. His wife said they need to leave. In verse 12 of, of Genesis 21, God said, listen to Sarah. 
shouldn't have listened to her the first time when he slept with his hand, where they're handmade, but now she said, they have to leave and, and you have to uh, tell them to leave. And, and God said to Abraham, you have to do that. Certainly for Abraham, that's hard. He loved this boy. All of a sudden he's got to say, you've got to leave. Go out in the desert, you and your mother, just leave. You can't be part of our family anymore. What a hard thing. I think it's a sad story, but folks, there's no easy remedy for sin. I think of all the people I know and that you know and people in our world that have done some terrible things and then they want an easy way out and there's no easy way out. When we sin, we reap what we sow. So now he's got to tell a 17-year-old son who he loves, you've got to leave. That's, that's hard stuff. To me, it almost seems unfair. But God in his foreknowledge knew that if Ishmael had stayed, it'd be tragic for Isaac. Might have another Cain and Abel situation. I don't know what God knew. He said he's got to go. And no doubt that broke the heart of Abraham. In verse 16 of the text, it says, Hagar says, please don't let my son die. But remember earlier in chapter 16, verse 10, God told her, your son will live. And he'll become a nation. And, and so here, uh, back Back there in Genesis 21, verse 18, he promises Hagar, and I'm not even there, I'm just, uh, let me go back and share what he says in verse 16, chapter uh, 21, verse 16, or actually we're in verse 18, sorry about that, but it says here, I love this passage, arise, lift up the lad and hold him in thine hand, for I will make him a great nation. God had promised that way back in chapter 16, now he says it again. He's going to be a great nation. It's a, it's, a, it's a big nation because we know the Ishmaelites would outnumber Israel. Today they outnumber Israel. Israel's surrounded by five million Arabs all around them, most Muslim. Many of them descendants of Ishmael and, and, and no doubt Esau and people who were supposed to be driven out of the land. There's descendants of Philistines and Canaanites all mixed up together. And still today, it's still a problem. But here it says in verse 21, 18, I, I will make him a great nation. So God promises Hagar it's going to be okay. Then the provision, next verse. And God opened her eyes, verse 19, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. So they're about to perish. She cries out and God said, it's going to be okay. I'm going to take care of you. That's what I love about God. Here the family had to be divided. Yet God still takes care of Ishmael yeah. and Hagar because that's God. You know, God loves all people. When as a kid, I learned the song, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Yeah, I knew when I, my wife wanted to adopt and we had a little, we got a little Filipino girl and I remember when I grabbed her and held her in my arm, I didn't think one thing about her looking different than me. I loved her, still do. That's what dads do and that's what the Heavenly Father does. He loved Ishmael. He, he, he loved Hagar. Do you know God still loves all the people of the world? He died for all the people of the world. Here's a tragic situation. And Abraham has to read now. He had shown some things. He's got to say goodbye to his son to protect the child of promise. What a tragedy. Yet that's just the results of sin. There's no easy remedy. There's no easy remedy. I don't know how many times I've heard sad stories. I had a, a, a friend who... I uh, knew well in high school and, and uh, 
you know, she was dating a guy that wasn't good. Her parents were Christians. And they said, well, it's okay. She's a good girl and she'll make, you know, the right decision. And they didn't pay attention to what scripture says. And the good girl married this good boy and it ended up being so tragic. I can't even go into it. We have our program online a little bit, but or on our website. But you think of tragedy after tragedy. Why? People ignore the principles of God's word and don't realize you'll reap what you sow. I don't know how many times I've quoted to my kids, be sure your sin will find you out. You can hide it from dad, but you can't hide anything from the heavenly father. His eyes are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. And he will expose us. I've been exposed. All of you have been exposed before when you got caught, when your dad caught you, your mom caught you. Maybe a boss caught you and you're embarrassed. Let me tell you, just don't sin. That's the key. Abraham, now he's done this and now he's got all this to answer for. Back to our text, verse 25. We know that Hagar answers to Sarah uh, here we have Sinai and Jerusalem, and we know that she's the mother, as, uh, uh, Hagar and Sarah. Sarah's the mother of, of the Hebrew people, and the Bible says the mother of us all in verse 31. We're not the children of the bondwoman, but of the free. He says to the Galatians, Gentiles, you're children of, Abra of Sarah by faith. Remember Romans 4:21. we're all children of Abraham by faith. We're part of God's family. We're not chosen collectively like the Jews, but we're part of the family of God individually by our faith in Jesus Christ. I'm so glad he didn't just save me. He adopted me. He made me a part. So he says here, here in verse 25, and for this Agar's Mount Sinai, answereth to Jerusalem. Sinai answers to Jerusalem like Hagar answered to Sarah. But Jerusalem, is, which is above, is free which is the mother of us all. You know, Abraham searched for that Jerusalem, that new Jerusalem. Oh, he wanted to see it in his lifetime. He was told about a city and he searched for it, never found it, never found it. And sadly, his part of God's plan, but for 430 years, Abraham's descendants stayed in Egypt as slaves. Verse 26, or verse 27, excuse me. It says here, it is written, that's Isaiah Chapter 54. It is written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath the husband. What's that talking about? Sarah had Isaac. Keturah had six. But that one child, Isaac, was a child of promise. And through the seed of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Judah and down through the centuries through Ruth, and through all those people, we find the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that seed would bless all mankind. The seed of the Holy Spirit that was planted in the Virgin Mary was that seed of promise that God gave to Abraham and Isaac way back then. And he says, rejoice. Sarah the barren would conceive. The children of promise. We're the children of promise. The Bible talks about us being the children of God, the children of Abraham, the children of promise. John calls us his little children. Paul called them his converts, his children. The words used figuratively and physically, but here we're the children figuratively by faith of Sarah, of Abraham, but more important than that of God. You're a child of God. If you're saved, you're a child of God. If you're not saved, you're not a child of God. 
In verse 29, we find here, what does it say? It says, but as then that he was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. For centuries, people have hated the Jews. It's just fascinating to me how people hate the Jews. You ask people who haven't even had really an, an, an encounter with a Jewish person that's been negative, but they still hate Jews. You know, all the jokes and all the, the hatred toward Jews, it's sinful, we know that. When you don't love another race of people and Jews are not Caucasian, you know that. It's just wrong to hate them without cause. In fact, it's wrong to hate anybody for any reason, cause or no cause. We're supposed to love sinners like God did and we're supposed to love Jews and Gentiles. And, and there was a hatred here. And it says even to, to this day, and we know we could say even to our day, we find that the Muslim people, the descendants of Ishmael and, and all those folks over there that hate Jews. I really like uh, Michael Youssef. He's an Egyptian pastor down in Atlanta. Love the guy because he loves Jews. It's so awesome to be see an Egyptian guy say the Jews are chosen. His, he's got death threats. He has to have bodyguards because he goes to Egypt and preaches that Jesus Christ is the way. And they don't like to hear it. But I love the stand he takes because he's, a, he's a, he, a, a, an Egyptian that loves Jewish people. So it says, even today, then verse 30, nevertheless, what saith the scripture? And I love that, that word scripture. Do you know all scripture is given by inspiration? God breathed on Peter. Here in this case, God breathed on Paul and said, write the book of Galatians. Write this allegory and, and, and get these people to understand it. Just as, as they were supposed to, as Abraham was supposed to cast out Ishmael and Hagar, were to cast out the flesh. And in between the Galatians were to cast out the Judaizers. That's the whole point of this message. Cast out the, the Judaizers. Abraham's obligation, God said, was to cast out Hagar and Ishmael. Hard thing to do. Paul wants these Galatians to understand they've got to cast out the Judaizers. The doctrine's false. Don't let them in the church. Get rid of them. Put them out of the church. Do what you got to do, but they can't be part. Would it have been okay for Abraham to say to God, well, I'm going to allow Ishmael to come back into the fold? Of course not. God said, cast him out. Sad story, but he had to do it. And he's saying to the Galatians, you can't allow the Judaizers in the church. And he's saying to us, you can't allow your flesh to have any room at all in your life. We can't allow our flesh to have any room. We're free. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. You're free from sin. You're free from the law. You're free from anything that, that hinders you to live for God. And we have to put away the deeds of the flesh. And they're listed in chapter 5. We're not going to talk about that, but look at verse 16 says of chapter 5. This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When you're walking in the Spirit, the flesh is defeated. But you have to die daily, folks. Your flesh, your old nature is always going to be present with you. And you have to die daily. You have to kill the flesh every day. The flesh. Everything about the flesh is wrong. There's nothing good in your flesh. 
Your thoughts are bad. Your actions are bad. You've got to learn to walk in the Spirit. And that's moment by moment submitting to that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. And that's hard. We'll talk a lot about the works of the flesh later. But every day you battle the flesh. Do you know when your alarm went off this morning? You may want to sleep in. I actually, this, I had, I, I'm usually an early riser, but I, after my vacation, I'm out of sorts. Vacations don't help me. They hinder me. I'm tired afterwards. And I was laying in bed at 6.30 this morning and thought, man, I, I feel like sleeping more. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like that, you, you know, that story about the lady called down to her boy and you, I've told you this joke and said, you need to get up. Time to go to church. I don't want to go to church. You need to go to church. I don't want to go to church. On and on it went. And he said, Mom, give me one good reason I need to go to church. He says, because you're the pastor and you need to be there. You know, I have the same rotten flesh as you have, as Paul had. And we have to kill, mortify the deeds of the, the, deeds of the flesh. Die daily. You're going to battle it the rest of your life. The impatience. I thought with trials, I'd be patient. Still battle with patience. I'll tell you, I, uh, I, I can't believe how ugly I can be sometimes or how ugly I want to be sometimes. If I was as ugly as I wanted to be, as mean as I wanted to be, uh, it'd be an embarrassment to everybody. If you knew my flesh and the weaknesses in my flesh, you wouldn't want to have anything to do with me. And the same if I knew yours. I'm so glad we can't see each other's hearts. Someone said, well, he's got a good heart. Well, the Bible said all our hearts are desperately wicked. There's just nothing good. I'm thankful for that new Dan that's always after old Dan. Amen. Now, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't say that. You need to confess that. It's so good. And we, we have to get away, get, get rid of the deeds of the flesh. So Abraham's sin with Hagar was costly, as sin always is. He had to get rid of Hagar and Ishmael. What a tragedy. It's a result of sin. And the Galatian sin was accepting the Judaizers and their false doctrine. And that was costly. It harmed the church. Paul said, you're not hurting me. You're hurting the church by accepting this false teaching. False teaching is serious. Peter talks about false doctrine killing the church. Persecution actually strengthens churches. Well, you go to China and from what I know, from my son and all the experiences he shared with me, the church in China is much stronger than the church in America. They have to meet secretly. And he said, Dad, almost every time, and I know I've told you this at least a Sunday night or so in the last couple of years, almost every time we have church, some Chinese person will stand up crying and say, Thank for thanks for telling me about Jesus. And then we're closed down. Three times they move their church, you know. And they meet secretly and they just love to get together and study the scriptures. And they love to secretly witness and pass out literature. And, and they kind of sneak around all they can in the communist government to try to evangelize their friends and neighbors. Always new people, always new people getting saved. Then they're closed down, have to relocate. It's amazing how strong that church is. My son said, truthfully, when I come home and, I, and I'm in a, a, a church in America, I'm kind of embarrassed because... The American churches just aren't as spiritual as the Chinese church. You know why? Because they're persecuted. You know what our problem is? We have everything given to us. We take it for granted. The World War II generation, the World War I generation made it easy for us. And now we're a lazy generation doesn't appreciate what we have. And I, I know they pack all these people in these rooms and have church. And I thought, wow, that's so awesome. 
Your sin is allowing your flesh. The Bible said, make no room for the flesh. As you leave here today, you'll be tempted. You'll be tempted. You'll be tempted to say things you shouldn't say. Tonight we have a fellowship. Oh my word. I love those fellowships. I could eat enough for me, me myself and I all in one, one setting. And, and I don't think it's wrong to have a good plate of food. Don't get me wrong. But I know my limitations. And I know where I've got to stop. And I use myself in eating. But what about impatience and your temper tantrums and saying things you shouldn't say? I had a lady years ago, I mean, when she came to the altar, she wanted to lay her tongue on the altar and her tongue was long enough to cover the whole altar. She said, I, I want to ask God to forgive me for things I say. And there'd be a lot of forgiveness because she said a lot of stuff. She'd say to me quite often, well, it's true, so I just say it. I said, just because something's true, you don't have to say it. We all said everything that came to our mind, just because it's true, we'd offend a generation of people. We have to learn to control our tongues, control our bodies, control our attitudes, the flesh. The immorality is all of the flesh, and we'll talk about that more later. But what is Paul saying here? He gives this whole story to illustrate one truth, this whole allegory, to say just like Abraham had to get rid of Ishmael, you need to get rid of the Judaizers. And he goes on to say, and we need to deal with the flesh, and we need to die daily and kill the flesh. That's tough to do. But we cannot give our flesh an inch. And you will battle it every day for the rest of your life. If you're here today and you don't, don't know Jesus as your Savior, let him save you. Let him save you. He's a great God and he'll save you from your sin. Oh, you'll still carry a sinful body. You'll still sin. John says, 1 John 1, 8, if you say you don't have sin, you're a liar and the truth's not in you. If you say you don't have sin in your life, you're lying. You may not habitually practice sin, but every one of you sins every day. I had a guy in Panama that, uh, he's a good guy, but every service we had, he'd stand up and say, I won five souls this week. I never baptized one of his converts. But he'd always say that, always say that. And finally one day I said, you know, do you want to lose your reward? I was a young preacher. I said some dumb things. Shouldn't have said anything. Because if you get a pat on the back in this life for what you've done, you won't have one in heaven. And I thought about Brother Al, and he, he changed his ways. But uh, I've known people, and you have to brag on something they've done. Oh, man, I'm a great Christian. I've, I've given this. I've given that. I had someone come up and say, I gave $400,000 to the Lord's work last year. And it was all I could do to keep from saying, and you lost the reward for that because you just told me about it. The right hand can't know what the left hand do it. Our flesh is terrible. That's all fleshly. Folks, we have to be real and examine our own selves. Be honest with yourself and look at those sins of the flesh and deal with them. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, trust Jesus Christ today. He'll save your soul. Your body will put up with till you get the new one. I'm going to get a new tabernacle one day. What about you? You going to be happy to get rid of this? I am. Thank God for Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Lord, thank you for your word and what it's illustrated to us. Lord, help us to kill the flesh. 
to fight it, resist it, and get rid of it. Don't give it space in our life. As the Galatians had to get rid of the Judaizers, and as Abraham had to get rid of his own son, help us to deal with our flesh as Christians. And Lord, if there's anybody here who's not saved, my prayer is I drove to church. Lord, I'd love you to answer it to save a soul. If there's someone here who doesn't know Jesus, that today they'll be saved. We ask you to bless now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.